right, guys. It's kind of cold up here, so I just thought I'd, I'd warm up a little bit. It's a little cold, so just warm it up a little bit, you know, guys? <laughs> All the Cowboy fans are like, boo, go Niners, one week away. All right, guys, well, so glad you guys are with us this morning. Um, man, we are closing out this series, and this series has been such a good series for our heart and to start this new year. And I wanted to make sure that we ended it, uh, ended it well. And so, uh, again, thank you for walking with us in this, uh, in this series. Uh, if you have your Bibles or the Bible app uh, with you, uh, you can uh, uh, jump to uh, Acts chapter 16. That's going to kind of be one of the focal verses of today. And then also at your seat, there's notes. Uh, so you can follow along there as well if you don't have a Bible or a Bible app. And if you do need a Bible, just let us know. we got free Bibles uh, for you as well. So uh, before we dive in, I want to highlight something just real quick that next week, because today is the end of this series, next week we start a new series, and uh, the series is titled, What Would Jesus Undo? And there's some things in our life uh, that, that you, we always ask that question, right? Remember the old bracelets, what would Jesus do? Well, this question is, what would Jesus undo? And so uh, there may be some things in your life that we tackle, and so I want to just highlight that for you guys that we're going to dive into that uh, starting next week. So invite a friend, invite a family member, and let's dive into that series, okay? Uh, and then again, respond card, just hold on to that today. Just hold on to it until we get to the end of uh, service today. So, um, so yeah, so here we go. You guys do me a favor. Like Frank said last week, we like participation. So uh, if you guys would, uh, won't you do me a favor and just hold your hands out like this with me real quick. I'm going to pray for us, ask God to bless the word. And you know, you know how it is. We come into church sometimes and our minds are full of uh, everything, right? The week is getting ready to get started. We've got a lot of stress. We've got a lot of different things in our lives. And honestly, uh, it's hard to fill a cup that's already full. So our, our hope this morning is that uh, God would empty us out, and that's what worship was about. And now, God, fill us with your word, fill us with, with your goodness. So, Lord, we thank you for this opportunity. Pray that you bless us this morning. Help us, God, just to, to listen to that small voice that you have for us this morning. Bless our time uh, in, uh, in the word this morning. And, God, may you just set us free in any area that you need to, to, to break us loose, God. May you do that this morning. Bless every relationship, every friendship. Uh, and, God, just help us to be open-handed this morning, ready to receive, expectant for you to do great things in our life this morning. And everyone said... Amen. All right, guys. All right, turn to somebody and say it's time. All right, turn to your second choice, the person you didn't want to talk to the first time, and say it's time. Okay, there we go. Not so much enthusiasm on the second one. All right, well, week one, week one, we, in this series, we titled this series, It's Time. In week one, we talked about how it was time to move on from old history and old habits. And in week two, we jumped in and said, okay, it's time to choose joy. If there's a choice that you and I need to make in 2020 is we need to choose more joy in our life. And so we talked about that in week two. And then last week, Pastor Frank jumped in uh, and talked about how it's God's time, that we need to start 2020 with little practical things like the first 15. Get up in the morning and don't click social media. Get up in the morning and spend five minutes in prayer, five minutes in the Word, and five minutes in worship. Like it's, it's time for us to reposition ourselves in 2020 to have more time with God. And so and today, um, again, our, our springboard scripture that we have used, our, our, our theme verse of this series, uh, and again, just a little bit of context if you missed, when Jesus gets on the scene in ministry, he begins to proclaim a message that echoed what John the Baptist said, and this was the statement that he would often say, and he would say this, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
And we talked about how repent is not a negative word. And unfortunately, in our culture today, we kind of make it that. But what Jesus is meaning is, hey, change your thinking, change your direction. You've been going this way. Let's make a shift and go this way. And then he goes on and says, for the kingdom of heaven, right? I want to stop right there for a second because we've talked about this multiple times, right? He's saying, hey, look, for the kingdom of heaven, my kingdom is here. And you and I tend to be the kings, and if I do this correctly like Frank, the queens of our own kingdom, right? We tend to, we tend to build our kingdom around us. And we tend to be the own, our own king of our kingdom and the own, our own queens of our kingdom. And here's the reality. I don't know about you, but I'm not so good at that. So Jesus comes on the scene. He realizes a lot of people have built their kingdom around something other than him. And he says, hey, look, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's right in front of you. And here's the beauty I love about that statement is that Jesus is closer than you think he is. The, 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 the deliverance you hope in your heart is closer than you think it is. The relationships that you desire to have are closer than you think they are, and that's the beauty of Jesus. And so what's today's it's time going to be about? Today's is this. It's time to come together. It's time to come together. And when I originally thought of, when we originally framework in this message, it was going to go a completely different way, but God wants to tackle something in your heart and my heart that would help us kind of lay some groundwork for 2020. And we've talked about this, right, that our, our goal is that it's kind of the beep beep, right? I just want to nudge you in the right direction for 2020. So this series is not only just for a now, what is God speaking in your heart today? It's really, hey, if you can practically grab a hold of a few of these things, you can have freedom throughout 2020. And so that's what our heart is today. It's, 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 it's to come together. And if you've been around Vintage for a while, you know that one of our values is, is better together. And our value better together is that we are known, loved, and challenged through authentic relationships. And if I say this, if I say this correctly... Some of you are just in relationships where you're loved really well, but you're never challenged. Some of you are in relationships where all you are is challenged and there's no love. Some of you are in relationships where you feel like you're known, but there's no voice. And this is the thing. We have to live in the kingdom of God, how God wants us to live by being loved, known, and challenged in authentic relationships. And authenticity is what I want to focus on uh, this morning. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 through 25, the author says this statement. He says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, which is Jesus, for he who promised is faithful. And I love this. And let us consider. That means it's a choice. You and I have a choice. Okay? And let us consider how we together may spur who? One another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together. So it means you don't give up on each other. And in our culture, you give up on people way too quickly. And you move on to the next person and the next person and the next person. And when that stuff starts running out, you start to give up on meeting with people. And at Vintage, and what God's saying in 2020, because he doesn't give up on us, you shouldn't give up on other people. So don't give up meeting together. And as some are in the habit of doing, but I love this, encouraging one another. Encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. You see, our, our heart for 2020 is that we can move in to 2020 with the intent to encourage other people, to move into 2020 and say, you know what, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spur others on towards good deeds. And I get it. Life is heavy. Life is tough. Things come at us. And I, I was thinking about an illustration this morning, and so I'm going to have uh, Chris come and help me. Um, and everybody say hi to Chris this morning. Um, 
Stand, stand on the second step so I don't feel so small. Like one more. There you go. Oh, that, that's even better. So Chris, Chris uh, is a 49ers fan, and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, but he looks like he could play for the 49ers. But hey, so me and, Chris, me and Chris have been walking together for a while, and he's been, he's been helping out here at Vintage. And, and here's the thing. Here's what happens when you start getting into relationships with people. You start walking with people. You start doing your very best to be there for people. And you realize that they're carrying some kind of weight, right? So I brought this weight, and I'm going to hand this to Chris. So I want you to hold this with your, with, are you right-handed or left-handed? Right-handed. Okay, hold it with your right hand. So you realize that in life, things start getting, let's, let's use this weight. This is the things that Chris has to carry around in his life. Whether it's his relationships, whether it's his finances, just life in general, it's what Chris has to carry around. And in life, this is what we, we all have something else that we carry, Right? So what happens with Chris is Chris starts carrying the weight, and Chris, I want you to just bring it halfway up. Just hold it right there. Turn your wrist this way. There you go. Just hold it right there for a second. And, <laughs> and, he, and, and what happens is Chris, Chris is the only one with what he has who can decide on how he's going to carry the weight. So he starts to carry the weight, and I mean, he's strong, so he's probably like, this ain't nothing. Uh-oh, over the top time. He's flipping the hat around. But what happens is then it turns into, okay, this is getting a little bit uncomfortable. So Chris, I want you to do me a favor and just put it straight up in the air. Just hold, like go this way and go straight up in the air and just hold it right there. Everything's good. Look at Chris. Life is good. I can carry this. This ain't a problem. Straighten your arm out. What are you doing, bud? Straighten your arm out. Carry it and everything's good. But here's the, here's the reality, right? Everything's good for a moment. Everything's good. Life happens. He's cruising through life. He's carrying the weight pretty good. He feels the burn. Things are a little bit of tension, but he's got to keep it up at a certain level. Life, life is telling him pressure, circumstances, everything, saying, hey, keep it up here. Keep it up here, right? And what happens is Chris then has a choice. When it really starts to go through some pain, when he really starts to have some problems, when he really starts, it starts to get too heavy for him, he's got a couple choices. But here's the, here's the default reality of what happens to you and me and how we live our life. We just stay. And we start to deal with it. And this whole entire time, there's a couple things that Chris can do. <laughs> Is it getting heavy? Is it getting heavy? Okay. <laughs> Is it still heavy? It's getting heavy. Yeah, yeah. What can I do? So, so here's the thing. Yep, there it goes. Eventually, life is going to weigh you down. But you know what makes it, but you know what could help? Is if Chris would have just simply said, hey, can you help me hold it up? So watch, hold it up again. Like, pick it up. And I'm going to hold his arm here. And I'm going to hold it until he gets strong enough to hold it. And this is the reality of why relationships are so important. Because too many of you are walking around carrying your own stuff. You're walking around carrying it. You're saying, oh, I got this. I got this. And then before you know it, it's and it just hits the ground. And then all of a sudden, you're like, well, nobody's here to help me, right? Nobody's around. Let me tell you, sometimes God places people around you so you could say, hey, can you help me carry this a little bit? And there's no, there's no problem with that. There's no problem with that. And that's how God designed us to walk through life with people that I can come along and say, Chris, I know this is heavy for you. Let me carry it for you, man. Take a breather. I got this. 
I got that. I'm left. I hold this back here. I'll hide it from you. Keep it from you. Like you, you got to get to a point where that's how you start to live your life. Because you know what happens? You got to put your, you got to put your weight down to carry somebody else's. And guess what happens? Jesus starts to pick up that weight. And so this morning, thank you, Chris. You can take this if you want it. I need to do. You can have it. He's gonna work out during during service. The reason I want to highlight that this morning is because I don't know what you're carrying today. What are you carrying? What is it that you, that you have in your life this morning that maybe is too heavy? Is it too heavy for you? But let me tell you something. God places you in positions like church. He places you in positions with people around you so you don't have to carry it by yourself. You don't have to. And this morning, I want to highlight something, and it's one of my favorite uh, pictures in the gospel, and this is where I told you guys to jump in with me in Acts chapter 16. And I love this picture in the gospel because Jesus... Jesus, the physical version of Jesus, is not on the scene anymore in Acts. The, the early church is moving the gospel forward. And life is happening, right? And you would think, okay, these guys all walk with Jesus. Life is good. They shouldn't have any problems. They have everything that they need. But as the early church gets started and people's lives started moving forward for the gospel and their purpose started coming out, challenges started happening. I want to pick up where we find where Paul and Silas run into a few things. And Paul and Silas were intent on preaching the gospel and seeing people set free. And this is what we find in Acts chapter 16. It says, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. Okay, imagine your life. You're, 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 you're on fire for Jesus. You're going to a place to, to preach, and all of a sudden you get arrested. They strip you down, and now you're humiliated. And it goes on and it says, after they had been severely flogged, now all of a sudden they got, they got some pain, real pain in their life, right? And it says they were thrown into prison. Now they're isolated. Now they're put somewhere. They're locked up. And isn't this the enemy strategy to get you isolated alone in your own cell? Hurt, pain, humiliated. And all of a sudden you're living in that stage, right? And it says, and then the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully goes on to the next verse and says, when he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet into stocks. The inner cell was, clear, was in clear view of everybody else. So here these guys are together, put in chains. Life is now tough. Life is difficult. At this very moment, was the gospel worth it for them? At this very moment, was life worth it for them and what was happening? Here's the answer. It goes on in the next verse, and it says this in the very next, or did I put that verse in there? Yes? No? Is it, uh, yep, nope. Oh yeah, here it is. Look at this, Acts chapter 16, the ne very next few verses. Look, it says, about midnight, man, it's always at the, at the, at the time that you least expect. This is a side note, this one's free. Step over here. God will come through and ask you to do things in the time you least expect. Back. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Singing hymns translates to praise and worship in our, in our modern day world. When they were locked up and in chains and humiliated and life was crazy, they only had each other, they make the choice and say, we're going to pray and we're going to lift the name of Jesus. And look what happens. And the other prisoners were listening to them. And then I love this. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came lo comes loose. Did you know you got to stay in the moment of praise and you got to stay in the moment of worship for your suddenly to show up? And some of you have been praying for a suddenly. And let me tell you, don't stop. 
praying and don't start, stop worshiping because your suddenly is coming. And I love this. And at once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. You see, when God starts to set you free, he also sets people free around you. And what a beautiful thing when God starts to work that way. And I love this picture. This is, this is, the, this is, this is kind of the nuts and bolts of, of today's message. Very next verse or a couple verses later, Acts 16 verse 40. They're coming out of prison. It says, after Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house where they met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them. And I love this picture of the gospel. When I talk about it's time to come together, here's the question I have. Do you have a Lydia's house? You see, they didn't run to their money. They didn't run to the church. They didn't run to the, their workplace. They didn't run to anything else. They went to the house. And we see this multiple times in the book of Acts where they went to the house in which they were staying, where the people that were praying for them, the people that were encouraging, that's where they were at. So the question is, do you have a Lydia's house in your life? And this is what the enemy tries to do. He tries to get you to a point where, again, you're holding life all by itself. I love the, the picture that they came, out of the, they came out of prison, hurt, flogged, feeling humiliated, and they went to somebody's house. They went to the place that they knew they could be encouraged. And, I, and, I, and, and for me, I think that's what you and I need. We need a Lydia's house. Here's the reality. Here's the reality, and this is what I want to, I'm going to land the plane here for today. My intent was to go from here straight into why we need to get into life groups, launching in two weeks, by the way. Get into life groups and go to a house and find a house and sign up and get, it, get, get, get more involved during the week, right? That was the direction I was going to go. But let me tell you, when, the, when I started walking through this, the Lord put something on my heart and said, but here's the reason why most people aren't going to do it. And the reason most people will not take the step and join a life group or get deeper into community, because there's one thing that will defeat community and defeat unity, and that is disunity. Disunity. It threatens peace. It threatens transformation. It threatens joy. And my challenge to you is, will you be somebody who defends unity in 2020? Will you be somebody who, who says, no, I'm actually going to be a defender of unity? I remember a couple years ago, and I've shared this before, when me and Audra went to, uh, we got to go to Italy for our 10-year anniversary. It was by far my favorite trip ever uh, I've ever gone on. And um, of course, my background's in architecture, and I work full-time on the architecture side, and so I love architecture, and of course, one of the places I wanted to go was go see the Leaning Tower of Pisa. So we, we're, we, we get there, we park, and we're driving, or we're walking into the, you know, this big uh, area, and we walk in, and uh, I see the tower, and as you get closer to the tower, you just realize there's probably about 40 guards standing, soldiers standing around the base of, of the tower, and they're all holding machine guns, and they're all, I mean, they're there. And here's the reality of that, right? The reality is, is that I was there, I was there for the beauty of it. They were there to keep the peace. And sometimes God's going to place you in positions this year where you're going to have to, you're going to have to be the defender. You're going to have to be the one that is the soldier standing there. When everyone else wants to see the beauty, you're going to be the one willing to defend it. And that's, that's something you, we, again, you have to fight for peace. You have to fight for unity this year in 2020 because the enemy is going to try to take it from you. With friends, with relationships, with marriage, with, with coworkers, you have to fight for it. And if you're not willing to fight for it, you will find yourself isolated. It's just natural. It's natural. 
And then the enemy whispers, when you're all alone, then he whispers, look, nobody cares about you. And God, on the other hand, is asking, well, who do you care about? You see, it's your risk first. It's your step first to go put yourself in a position to fight for unity in 2020. So here's the thing. How can, how can we become defenders of unity? I love this, that Paul speaks to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3. He says, make every effort to keep the unity of the peace through the bond, or uh, the spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort. Make every effort. Run after it to keep the peace, to keep the unity of the spirit. Think about how many times you've been in places where uh, it's hard to see the blessing in the environment because you're at odds with somebody. You know? Think about that. And for us, we have to be a church and a people that says, you know what? No, no, no. I'm going to fight for unity. I'm going to make every effort to keep the unity by the Spirit of God. In my heart and in my mind, I'm going to do everything I can. You know? And that's something you and I have to do. So here's the first thing I want you to be able to do in 2020. It's time to come together and trust. It's time to come together and trust. You see, the only way that is possible is to be intentional with your relationships in 2020. You have, to, you have to come together and trust people. Be open in your marriages, in your relationships. Be honest, open. Be, be, uh, keep short accounts. Don't let, don't let so much distance happen between you and people that, that they start making assumptions and then all of a sudden a mountain turns into a molehill and then you're, I mean, a molehill turns into a mountain and all of a sudden you're, you've got so much distance between you and people that you genuinely care about. You can't make assumptions that way. The enemy will come and he's out to seek, kill, and destroy the very holy things that God places in our lives. So we have to have hard conversations in our marriages, in our friendships, and in life groups. But then some of you say, yeah, but pastor, you don't know some of the people that are in my life. You don't know those cowboy fans. You don't know. <laughs> you don't know those people. What about conflict? What happens when people really start, like, having conflict? Well, here's the statement that I, that I wrote down I want you to it's in your notes. Conflict is not the absence of unity. It's actually the opportunity for unity. Too many of us run away when the conflict happens. And we run away when the conflict happens instead of running to it, to seize the opportunity to, be a, to fight for it. Many people think that if you agree on everything, that's unity. No, 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 that's uniformity. Unity is when you can sit in a room with somebody who you differ with or have a different conversation with, but you're fighting for unity and peace. That's a different mentality. You're not there to win. You're there to have unity. You're not there to prove a point. You're there to have unity. And that's a different posture when you sit in that chair or you pick up that phone or you send a Facebook message. I'm not going to say text message because that's one of the, I think, if you, if, you, if you make decisions about your life via text message in terms of like people, that's a really hard place to be. Because let me tell you, if I have a bad day and you put, hey, how's your day going? I'm going to read that as like, oh, they must know my day is bad. It's awful. Like, no, no, no. Like, you can't read tone via text message. You can't read tone via email. Find the heart to call somebody and, and to talk with them. But side note, that was free too. Here's, here's, the, here's the, the, the reality. You and I have to uh, embrace the moments that conflict happens in relationships that matter because the God wants to do something great when the conflict happens. Because there's not a lot of people in our lives that are willing to, to fight through it. And in 2020, you and I have to fight for unity.
You see, because we all have a tendency to react the wrong way, don't we? Some of us are exploders in this room. Some of us are exploders in this room. And so you shame yourself. You know you've got a lot of shame in your heart that maybe you haven't released to Jesus. So you shame yourself, and then all of a sudden you blame everyone else. And that's not how Jesus wants you to walk. The other, the other half of us, we're, we're more like stuffers. We kind of just build it all up inside, and we build up a bunch of walls, and then we, we start throwing, rec- you know, we start throwing like, I'll get you back rocks. You know what I mean? And some of us, that's how our relationships start to, start to look like. All of a sudden, we're, we're walking around either in shame, blaming other people, and if you walk around that way, when somebody says, hey, get into a life group and be vulnerable with 10 new people from the church, you're like, nope, nope, that going to be me. And if you're one of the stuffers and somebody says, hey, get into a relationship with 10 new people that you've never met before, so your life could be good and you can, you can have freedom in your life. And if you're one of the stuffer people, you're like, nope, I know what happened to me last time I, I trusted somebody. And that's how the enemy starts to work. And he puts freedom right, God puts freedom right in front of us and the enemy tries to take it from us. So you and I need to fight for freedom and fight for unity. And here's the thing, you can't expect God to, and just a side note, if you're at odds with people, you can't expect God to bless you in worship with rocks in your hands. See, it, sometimes as a pastor, it gets really hard for me for, in one hand to see somebody wanting to pray that God would rain down blessing in their life and they're holding on to rocks, getting ready to throw them at people. You see, when you start walking in freedom, you've got to drop the rocks. You've got to repent from those. Change of mind, change of thinking, and move on into what God has for you. Here's the next thing. If you're going to be a defender of unity, it's time to come together and overlook minor offenses. Minor offenses. You see, 1 Peter 4.8 says, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers a multitude of sins. You and I have to find ourselves in that place that we can, we can push ourselves to love somebody so well that no matter what they've tried to do to us or what we think they did to us, that we let Christ's love cover that. Because you know what? Christ's love is covering us at the same time. And you and I need to fight for that in 2020 because you and I both know this year is going to be a tough year. It's an election year. And you want to see people start going at odds with each other? Start talking about the election. You, you, I mean, it's, we're, this year will be one of those years that God will position you. If you pray for it, he will position you to, to be in a place of unity, to fight for it, to bring, to bring peace in the, in the middle of chaos when stuff like that starts to happen. Um, so you don't need, uh, or here's, here's the next one because I'm, I'm, I'm running out of time here. So again, how do we become defenders of unity? The next one is it's time to come together and have courageous conversations. Courageous. It takes courage to have the conversations that you need to have. And I love uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. It says, in humility, right, humble yourselves. Don't walk into a room full of pride. In humility, value others above yourself. Not looking out for your own interests, but each of you looking out for the interests of others. Unfortunately, we live in a world that it's the opposite. Every room somebody walks into, they have to prove something. Every room they walk into, it's about pride. Every room they walk into, it's about how I'm right and you're wrong. And that's not what the gospel's asking of us. Gospel's asking us to serve people really well. Gospel's asking us to love people. And one of the things I tell, we tell the team here all the time, and it's something that I had to learn, and I learned the hard way, is I used to walk around and have expectations on everybody that was in my life. 
And one day, some things started happening with people that I truly cared about, and I'll be honest with you, they hurt me. They hurt me. And I remember my pastor sitting me down one time, and he said, look, Jesus, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you forgive them. You need to have a hard conversation, but let me tell you something about moving forward. Don't have any expectations on anyone else that you wouldn't have for yourself. Only live by the expectation that you're willing to put on yourself. Don't put it on anybody else. If you want people to love you well in 2020, then love them well. If you want people to contact you and reach out to you and, and like your Facebook, then like theirs. I don't know why that's such a big deal, but I had to throw that in there. If you want people to, to care about you, care about them. If you want people to, to, to connect with you and love you and serve you, and, and, and not in a bad way, just to have people in your life, somebody that when you're locked up in that inner jail cell is willing to worship with you and pray with you, then, then make sure that you know when they're locked up so then you can go pray with them too. And, and we have to have that heart in 2020 because if not, the enemy's gonna try to take it from us. And as I close today, sometimes we have to put aside personal comfort to defend unity. And I love what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 and 11. He's speaking to the local church here. He's speaking to us. He's speaking to people. People that had lives just like you and me. And he says, look, anyone you forgive, I also forgive. And he almost makes it like a very clean statement. You know what? You got to forgive people. And he says, anyone you forgive, I also forgive. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgotten, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not aware of his schemes. You see, the enemy is always scheming against us. He's always scheming against us. Unforgiveness, lack of peace, disunity, that's his plan for you in 2020. In your marriage, that's what he wants. He wants disunity. He wants a lack of peace. He wants a lack of conversation. He wants more assumptions and more expectations than he does love and hope and peace. That's what he places. And that's not how we should have it. In our friendships this year, we should, we should walk into those with love and grace and peace. You see, the enemy does not want people to experience God's goodness in relationships. But you know what's funny is how will people know that we are Christ followers? If you're a Christ follower in this room, the Bible is very clear on how people, others that may not know Jesus, how they would know that we are Christ followers. John chapter 13, verse 35. They will know by how you love one another. That's how people know. People know by how well you love people. That's not that hard. It isn't when you're trusting Jesus with everything you got at that moment. But isn't it difficult? If we're just honest, it's hard to love people that don't love you back. Right? It's hard to love people that expect this from you, but they're only willing to give you this. They want you to go, you know, 10 miles, but they're only willing to go like two steps. It's hard. But let me tell you, be faithful to those because God will bring peace in those. God will bring unity in those. God will do everything he can to bless you in that environment. So it's time for us to come together. It's time for us to look at, at 2020 and say, I'm going to be a defender of unity this year. I'm not just going to be one of the bystanders. I'm going to be a defender of unity. I'm going to find myself in a, in a relationship with God this year. And I, it's time for me to come together. So when I say life groups are launching in two weeks, so not, this, not next Sunday, but the Sunday after, life groups are going to kick off again, I want you to pray about the life group in which you will jump into and the life group that maybe God wants you to start. Each and every one of us has the ability to get into a life group this year 
to make sure that we're walking with people. Too many people are in that inner jail cell all by themselves. And we need to be in a place that we can help each other and pray through, pray and, and worship God together and let God set us free in the name of Jesus. Because we cannot let the enemy win in 2020 in, in terms of our relationships. So as we close today, I want to do something special with us. And so under your seat is a communion cup. So I want to ask you if you would grab that. Stand with me as we, uh, as we start to close out uh, this morning. There is, um, there's gluten-free ones. I don't know, where are they? Huh? Oh, if you need a gluten-free uh, wafer, raise your hand and we'll, we'll bring it to you. So we got one up here. Communion. Something uh, special about communion. Uh, when Jesus met with his disciples for the last time, he was in the upper room together, and he got to a point where he had, he had did the ultimate act of service at that time. He had washed their feet. He had, they were all laying around a table. They weren't necessarily sitting like we see a lot of the pictures. A lot of, a lot of that is, is, is the, the tables were literally about four inches off the ground, and so they were all kind of laid back. And Jesus takes you know, some bread, and he breaks it, and he prophetically says what is about to happen to him. That his body, he's going to be going to the cross and he's, his body's going to be broken for them. And he, and he tells them as he breaks the bread and he starts to pass it around as a symbol. And here's the thing. He, he, he took the bread and he broke, he broke a piece off and then he took a piece of bread, that same piece of bread, and handed it off to somebody else. And they were in agreement. I'm going to take this bread for you. I'm going to break a piece off. And all of a sudden it started going around the room and everyone was in unity. I'm, we're going to do this together. And Jesus makes the statement, and this is my body in which it'll be broken for you. And next time you eat, I want you, when, when you're doing this, I want you to remember me. And then he takes the cup and he, and he pours the wine into it. And he raises it up and he says, this, this cup represents my blood. This is the blood that I'm going to shed for you. This is the sacrifice that's going to be made for you to have your relationship back with the Father. This is, this is where Jesus instantaneously on the cross closes the gap between your life and my life and, and the heavenlies. And he sacrifices himself at that moment. And he says, hey, look, when you do this, remember me. And later on, and when the new church starts, Jesus is descended into heaven and we see the, the early church beginning. Paul gets to the Corinthian church and they were in the practice of taking communion. But they had, they had stopped doing it with unity. They had, they had stopped doing it with the intent to remember truly what the sacrifice of God meant. So people were in the room taking something, but were in disunity. And Paul gets to a point where he says, yeah, you must examine yourself before you take of this. And Jesus even makes some very clear statements that if you're at odds with people in your life, you come to his altar with some offering, you should probably put the offering down and go deal with that person and ask for forgiveness and bring unity to it and then go and pick up your offering and bring it back. You see, communion isn't just a, it's not a religious thing for us. It's something that you and I can do as frequently as every, every day, every week, every month. But you know what it does is it bridges the gap again and remembers what Jesus did on the cross. And it brings instant unity into a room like this. And so here's what we do at Vintage. We do open communion, which means the team is going to close with a worship song. So if you're married in the room, I'd highly suggest that you grab your, your spouse's hand and, 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 and just pray. Just pray with them uh, uh, for unity. 
pray that you would remember what Christ has done on the cross. If you, if you need somebody to pray with, find somebody to pray with. But take unity during the worship song, and when you're done, just take a moment and just give God praise and say, you know what, 2020, it's time for me to have good relationships. It's time for me to move into 2020 and be a defender of unity and not be so distant. And not, not you, you, Some of you have your, 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 your guard up for the wrong reason. Let, let communion set you free today by the blood of Christ and realize that you don't have to do this life alone. You don't have to do this life alone. So if you would, let me pray for you and we'll dive into this song, okay? Jesus, we come before you right now. And Jesus, we realize that communion, as we take it together collectively, we do it in remembrance. You tell us specifically, do this in remembrance of me. That the body would represent the brokenness that you would, you would endure for us. Jesus, we thank you for for sacrifice. We thank you for loving us that much before we even knew you were calling us. And you took the cup and you poured it and you said, this is my blood and it's going to be poured out for you. Jesus, right now in this place, I pray that you would bring freedom to that person's heart that feels like they're not worthy in this room to even lift their name, lift your name up. I pray for that person in the room, God, that has been walking in here with so much shame that, they, that they, they, they don't even feel like they could have forgiveness. But your blood says otherwise, Jesus. You forgave them on the cross. And I pray for that person in here, God, that says, you know what? I, I don't want to be in that inner cell by myself, shackled up and humiliated and feeling alone. I want people around me. I pray that, God, that during this time, Jesus, people would make a decision. You know what? I'm going to be in a life group. And they will respond to that respond card and say, I'm going to be in a life group. And maybe somebody in this room is going to say, you know what, today I'm going to make that decision for Jesus. Jesus, I'm all in. I can't live this life on my own anymore. So Jesus, right now, I pray that during this worship song, you would prompt every single person in this room to respond to you. Not respond to me. Respond to you, Jesus. So Holy Spirit, call it out of us. Bring freedom in this room right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus guys join me in worship and like i said during this song feel free take communion at your own pace and grab that respond card sometime in the next few moments and ask god what is it that you want me to do what is it that you want me to do